welcome to Eloquently Awkward, a podcast for ladies with real conversation and biblical perspective. Hello, hello, hello. This is Terry. Hey, it's Amanda. Hello. How are you this week? I'm doing grand. How are you, Terry? <laughs> grand. I was thinking more dandy, but dandy 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 is the word for me today yeah yes <laughs> well we're kind of together in a way yeah it's weird way. <laughs> kind of uh we are skyping in here people so we're gonna see what happens cause... yeah it's kind of weird yeah we'll see if i this don't i don't like not being able to see your face i know it's a little bit disheartening it is, but that's okay. Maybe next week we can see each other's faces. Mm. So what have you been up to, Terry? Oh gosh, traveling. I'm a world-class travel- traveler now with my daughter. Can't that's- really say too much yet because we're traveling again this weekend. And Madeline doesn't want anything out of the box until, you know, she makes her decision. She's got big decisions to make about where she's going to start her life, so... Traveling all over. I I went from one side of the country to the other. I can tell you that. And mm-hmm. tomorrow I'm only going like six hours away. So that one's better. But that's mm-hmm. what I've been up to. How about you? I don't think you guys have been feeling very well. Nope. A whole lot of sickness at my house. Ugh. I'm not sure what. My son got something and then shared it with the family. So kids all share. Doing... At least they share. I know. At least they have that mm. sharing attitude. Were you sick on Easter? No, he was sick on Easter, but oh. I didn't get to until Tuesday. So That's miserable, miserable. Filled out, but uh, we still went to church on Easter. We still went, and we just kept him in service with us. Yeah. Oh, well, hopefully everybody's on the uphill slide now. Yeah, everyone's feeling better. We went to the park today and got some sunshine and some sunburns. So <laughs> doing well. That always helps. Sun's supposed to help with that stuff. Yeah. What what does no sunburn burn out of your system? Right? Yes. Well, yeah, I guess. I don't know about the sunburn, but the sun itself is supposed yeah. to be healthy. So, yeah. anywho, you're our, you're our fabulous host today. So, uh, what are we talking about? What are we talking about in our new series of Let's Talk About That? Thank you for asking that, Terry. <laughs> um, well, this last week was Easter, and um, just in reading my Bible and just thinking about Easter coming up and just all the things that pertain, um, I was reading through the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection and um, thinking about it, and I thought, you know what, that's a good thing to talk about. There's so many things that happen that I just wish I could be a fly on the wall in different parts of this story. Oh, right. wouldn't that be amazing? I'd be an emotional wreck, but it would be amazing to see. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that today, Terry. All right. I'm ready. I'm Well, not really, but I'm going to act like I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So something I want to talk about before we talk about this whole story is the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They intrigue me so. (laughs) Um, Just because of their different accounts. (laughs) Yes, because... Mm -hmm. Bible talks about how the Bible was written by through God, right? God gave right. the men the words to write down. So it's funny to me. I wonder how he did it. I wonder if he was like, here's what I want you to write about. And they just wrote about it. 
or if he just said like you know write down your accounts of this day and they wrote down because they're so different because they, they are. couldn't like he didn't obviously give them word for word or there would just be one gospel not four like right no. and i think what's interesting and I, i'm kind i think it's kind of neat how he did it because all four of those people had such different personalities it'd be like you and me and maddie and let's just say savannah your little sister all watching something and then all giving our account we all are so different that our accounts were going to have different viewpoints and I think that's probably why he did it the way he did it was so that we could have different viewpoints Mm -hmm. yeah and that's so true because you can see all of their different personalities because like me personally and I don't really know why um but I prefer the gospel of Luke Mm -hmm. I just enjoy reading that one more than the others and I think it's just the way that he writes things and the way things are I don't know spelled out so yeah it's just I guess it's I've just, never picked a favorite gospel I'm gonna have to pick one. Oh yeah I don't know I just have always enjoyed reading through Luke more than others but Luke to me he's more and I in this account Matthew is more detailed but Luke gives more I don't know I guess we could say he gives a lot of dialogue you know it's interesting and as I'm, I'm looking at an article here and it kind of talks about the people that wrote it and it says Matthew was written primarily to the Jew- for the Jewish people to prove that Jesus was the expected Messiah. And then it says Mark was the shortest gospel and likely was the first one written. How they know that, I don't know. But it says that Luke um, was a medical doctor. And we also mm-hmm. know he wrote Acts too. But that he was also the only non-Jew that wrote a gospel. So maybe that has something to do with it because he saw it from a different perspective completely than the other ones did it might be i know my mother-in-law was a nurse and she always said that she liked luke's writing because he Hmm. was a doctor and she said she just i don't know she liked that the most too and so that is interesting just an interesting thought to think about because I i was reading through i read all four of the different accounts of the resurrection and um, the crucifixion and there's just funny things that I pulled out of each book um, that we'll go through but it's just interesting we'll mainly stay in Matthew because Matthew is the most detailed um, Mark is probably the most vague but his is the shortest but Matthew gives more detail in his and talks about things that some of the others don't even talk about um, so anyway that's what we're going to talk about so okay. follow me along <laughs> I'm coming um, with you. Bring me along. Yeah. So all four of them talk about the main points. That Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. The um, Romans came. He was brought before the high priest, taken before Pilate, taken to Golgotha, and died on the cross. They all give those, and Peter's denial. They all have those in them. But there's just different... Um, details that different ones of them give that I like. So in Matthew, it starts in chapters 26 and 27. I'm not going to go as much into the resurrection, um, more just the crucifixion and the events leading up. Because like I said, if I was a fly on the wall, and if I could sit there and watch, like walking through each one of these big events that happened, like really how, how would someone who's just standing there feel is kind of what I was trying to relate to when I was reading through this. But so, so Jesus, as most of us know, was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, and that's where the Roman soldiers come. Judas Iscariot had sold him to them. Um, 
given them the Jesus for the 30 pieces of silver, which doesn't sound like that much to me, but um, it must have I been wonder a good what that is. And you keep going. I'm going to look that up in modern day. Okay. How much that would be in modern day. Okay. Um, so he was arrested and he was taken before, um, I think it's Caiaphas is how you pronounce the high priest's name. Caiaphas. Sounds good to me. Okay. We're going to go with Caiaphas. <laughs> and they go back and forth and the different um, gospels do give a little bit of different disputes here. Um, or not disputes, but kind of different conversations. Um, he's taken before Caiaphas and Caiaphas is like um, saying, okay, well, what's he charged with basically? And uh, he tells, he as he's throwing all these things at him, Caiaphas, in all of them, it says that Jesus held his peace. So in all of them, it talks about how Jesus was just silent. They're throwing all these accusations at him. And um, in Mark, it talks about, he, they mentioned, they say none of the false witnesses' stories would line up. Everyone was just telling different stories about him. None of them really lined up with each other. And they were all just trying to find a reason to um, convict him. But I like how all of them said that he was just quiet in the, mm-hmm. in different ways. But this one says he held his peace um, he just stood there and just took it and they were throwing all these things at him. And then in all of them, he gives an account where, um, um, let me see, sorry. Caiaphas asks him, he says, tell us whether you are the son of God or not. And most of them are pretty similar, but he said, thou hast said. So a lot of them, he's like, well, you're telling me, you know, who I am or who I'm not. He says, nevertheless, I say unto you hereafter, shall ye see the son of man sitting on the right hand of power and coming into the clouds of heaven. So he tells him, he's like, you're going to say whatever you want. And even in, um, I think it's in the Mark account, he says, um, sorry, let me find the page. Anyway, he says, you have already said it. And if I say anything else, you're not going to believe me. And so he's, you know, you guys have already convicted me of whatever you want to convict me of but in the end you'll see it see the son of man sitting on the right hand of god um and so i like that he's very just quiet he takes everything yes very humble but i can't imagine sitting in there and then all of them the only thing when he says that when he says that they'll see the son of man sitting on the right hand of the power of god um then they convict him of blasphemy so that's the only thing they can get him on. And the high priest even says, like, you all witnessed it. He just like just blasphemed and said that, you know, the son of man was coming. Which, you know, and... is interesting to me there is why, maybe it's just the times, but why were they so concerned what he referred or what people thought he was? You know what I mean? Like, we have people nowadays, mm-hmm. I mean, that say there are certain things and that and we don't care. We just think, oh, that's just so-and-so being so-and-so. So I'm just wondering back then why, I mean, they must have taken it very serious that they said he was blaspheming and being blasphemous. It's just interesting to me that he really wasn't doing anything. They couldn't find anything bad about him. And I think everybody knew it and just his demeanor and the way he held himself. It's like, it's just interesting to me that that's the way it went. Like, why would they not have just been like, you know what? You're probably just, they probably just thought he was crazy. And I think why didn't they just let him go? Like he really didn't, it really was all of God's plan to do it that way. It had to be because why else? It's Mm -hmm. just so 
when you start thinking about it, it's like, why did they take that so serious? I guess I'd have to research that more. Um, yeah, and we had a guy who was teaching Sunday school a while back, and he was going through Acts. So he was talking more about the Pharisees and uh, like Paul and um, Barnabas and them later on. But I think it applies here too, is the main reason was just he was affecting their bottom dollar, basically, right. is how this guy was putting it in Sunday school. Like they were making money off of, you know, the Jews were the Jews and the Gentiles were Gentiles and they could have their synagogues and they had their authority in place. And then when he came in and started shaking everything up, it was just like affecting their authority. Right. And so they just felt threatened. so kind of like our mm-hmm. current day government, how people just randomly disappear <laughs> when something doesn't go the way yeah. Hillary, I mean, whoever it would be just doesn't yeah. go their way. <laughs> whoever it would be. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And I, that's what I think it was. You know, he was just threatening their authority and their way of life that they had always had and was saying things that went against what they said, but maybe made them look like liars or made right. them look stupid in a way, you know? So I think it was just, they were just threatened. Of, and um, some of them probably knew the truth. I don't know. You would think I that would some of so. them believed like, oh man, this is so him. Like we got to shut him up before this gets any worse. Well, you know? think about the mob. Well, I don't think we're quite there yet, but I mean, people were watching all of this unfold every time you went before um, a ruler or mm-hmm. a king, not, I don't think we were the king before, or he went before these people in power. And it's like not one yeah. person stood up and said, no, like this is wrong. And it kind of does remind you of current day. No one's just standing up for, there's a lot of lessons that could be taken out of this, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one thing I'll mention later when it talks about that, because there's a verse in the Bible that says specifically that people sat by and watched, and so I was going to talk about that, but, Hmm. um, so yeah, anyway, I did find that interesting. Um, A couple other things really quick before we move on that I found really interesting is, so the, going back to their different, so it starts, you know, like I said, it starts in the Garden of Gethsemane, well, when Jesus is arrested and taken um, before he leaves, in all of the accounts here, again, um, we all, we know Peter cuts off one of the guy's ears. Mm-hmm. Um, the soldiers come into the garden, and Peter jumps in the rescue and cuts off a guy's ear, and God picks up and puts it back, and he's like, chill out, bro. Yeah. Okay. What are you uh, doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then they all mention, too, it all says that they all forsook him and fled. So everybody else runs off. They're all like, which I don't understand either. Like, all the disciples just run off after It this. had to be so frightening to be in that time. Because it's not like mm-hmm. today when you kind of get a slap on the wrist if you're associated or depending on what's going on. But um, it had to have been so, the circumstances of the time what was so different from now because we're trying to think about it in our modern day but it's so opposite of what america especially in america it's so opposite so it had to have been they just had to be so overwhelmed yeah i can't Mm -hmm. imagine what they were feeling they probably didn't know what to do yeah i agree and he had told them what was going to happen the night before so you know they all kind of see oh man it's all coming and they freak out right but in mark mark is the only one who gives a really strange account which is just this is just kind of a funny thing but i don't it doesn't say anything about this in the other gospels and i don't know who this person was i can maybe research it out really deep but i don't know how these people find these answers anyway but right 
in Mark chapter 14, verses 51 and 52, um, so Jesus puts the ear back on the soldier, everybody leaves, and then it says, and there followed him a certain young man having linen cloth cast about his naked body, and the young man laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I have never, I've read, I'm going to be, I am not a real big Old Testament reader. I read a lot of the New Testament more so. And I don't think I've mm-hmm. ever thought on that or caught that before. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know that I had either. But I don't, Mark mentions it and nobody else does. But it just talks about some young guy who was there naked and then he just ran off naked. And I thought that was so funny. He was like, such a he was probably like, I believe about everything about you, but I really can't hang out with you. Here's my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just one of those random things that, like I said, separate the four gospels, but it was pretty funny. And then I will say in John 2, um, not like literally chapter 2, but John also <laughs> chapter 18, <laughs> it goes into a little bit more of the conversation in the in the garden as well. So that's interesting to read too. And uh, when they come in, Jesus actually says, you know, like, whom seek ye? And they say they're seek- looking for Jesus. And he says, I am he. And it actually gives you the conversation. So Matthew doesn't give you that, um, but John does. And that's why I like reading through all of them because they're just all so different and you can right. just piece different things together. But um, so that's just in the garden. Those are just funny. I think it's interesting that they're like, we're looking for this guy and they didn't even know it was him. Yeah. And they said, I'm looking for Jesus. And he said, I am he. They, yeah, they must like, not have had wanted posters back then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so, all right. So he goes before Caiaphas, like we said, and they convict him of blaspheming. And then, yeah. So they, um this is where instantly and this is this is i told you before we did this podcast that sometimes i get a little emotional because i just can't fathom but um it's just instantly they convict him of blasphemy he said um they said he was guilty of death and then they just instantly started spitting in his face and um and hitting it says smote they smote him with the palm of their hands saying, prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? And so here it's saying um, they spit in his face and they actually blindfolded him. Um, So they, a couple in Mark, it says they cover his face. Here it says they buffeted him. And and then in Luke, it actually says Jesus is blindfolded. Hmm. Um, So they blindfolded him. And then they were spitting on him and hitting him. And they said, okay, tell us who hit you. Trying to get him to break. And this is, again, I don't understand the thinking and the thought process of these people. And why, just the hatred they must have had. Why they thought, we'll just get him to break and get him to say Mm -hmm. that he's not who he says he is, I guess. you know. But And I wonder traditionally if that's how they did. Because I think it was tradition for... um, uh, uh, people criminals I guess that you call them Jesus wasn't but anyone else that they crucified that they carried their own cross and whatnot I just wonder is that how they treated everybody um did they spit yeah. upon and did they mock and did they do what they did to Jesus to everybody historically I'm I wonder if, if that's really how they did everybody I mean back in that time like I said as Americans especially we have no idea what it's like to go through anything like that um, either even other countries do things so differently. So I'm just wondering 
at that time was that normal like that's just what you do once somebody was I guess convicted quote unquote because he was I guess convicted at that time so just curious if that's what they did to everyone yeah I I honestly personally don't think so I think they went above and beyond because it was Jesus and I think it I think God allowed it that way just to show his character and just carry things to the end and to make it that more impactful but that's not fact. That's just opinion. That's so. Amanda version. <laughs> that's Amanda. Yeah. So I don't know, but it just is. It just amazes me. It's crazy the hatred and the. And they were, man. Them. They were so angry. That's why I mean, I can't wrap my head around what he did that that made them so angry. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like talk about mind your own business. It's like you don't believe what the guy's selling, mm-hmm. then don't don't worry about it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, so then after this, so he's taken, um, and they take him, they're leading him to um go see Pilot. And this is where he's um taken in uh well, he's not quite to Pilot yet. Oh yes, he's getting there anyway. They take him in and this is now where you have have the account of Peter and his denial of Jesus. Um, which again is I did a study on Peter recently um, and it talks about how he is a Galilean and Galileans. I picture them. We'll just all picture them together as like, um, like Italians that live in New Jersey, Okay, you know, like (laughs) really loud, boisterous, like cocky, opinionated, just people like strong accent like that's what a Galilean is they just they have their own accent like you can tell them when they start talking you know where they're from so I picture Italians from New Jersey <laughs> um, like Joey for Tom. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah pretty much <laughs> uh, but it amazes me how fast Peter turns here too because when God or when God when Jesus is taken from the Garden of Gethsemane like I said every one of them says that everybody flees but Peter, Peter is the only one who goes with Jesus. So everybody else runs away. But Peter is the one who sticks with Jesus and walks through this with him. And then yet he gets all the way up to the gates yeah. of the city. And then he's like, and that's it. Like, <laughs> this is as far as we travel. And I don't understand that either. And again, maybe. Think, though, what was he going to do once he got there? I mean, in his mind, maybe, because I know, like, the days before, he was like, not me, Lord, I would never do that. Like, I'm going to be with you Mm -hmm. till you die kind of thing. But I wonder if he was, like, pumped up, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be there. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And then the reality set in. He's like, there's nothing I can do. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it might be. It might have just been that that reality or that fear set in for him. But, um, again, all of the Gospels talk about his denial, but... Matthew points out something specific that I that I like when it's talking about him denying Christ at the very he, so it's you know three times on the third time that they ask Peter if he knows Christ um, in chapter 26 verse 74 it says then began he to curse and to swear um, none of the other accounts, they all just say he denied him, he denied him, he denied mm-hmm. him. But this one, it talks about how he began to curse and to swear. And so to me, like, I take that literally how it is. Like, mm-hmm. he started, like, 
using foul, horrible language. Yeah, I and was just like, listen, you know, and just flipped out. And so I think that's an interesting account of it too, just because to think like that's how upset he was that these people even thought that he knew Jesus. Right. When four minutes ago he cut a dude's ear off for Jesus. So yeah, it had to bring fear. I can't think of any other reason other than sheer fear for his life. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. um, you said you were studying him. He obviously was married. So he probably had a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had to be fear for the reason he acted the way he did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't know, but I can't imagine if, especially now I'll put myself like, if you were watching Jesus in the garden praying, and then you saw the soldiers come, I mean, I'm watching this like a movie in my head, you know, mm-hmm. like you will see the soldiers come in and you see Peter cut his ear off and you see Jesus put it back and they all run off and Peter goes with him and you see him go before Caiaphas and they're all mocking him and hitting him and mocking, um, spitting on him. And then from there, he leads him. And then you see Peter, you know, go off. And it's just this whole, I don't know, just watching it in your head is, it can, it's a little heart-wrenching. But but Peter does leave him. And then in Matthew also, it talks about, it, um, it talks about Peter moving backwards. And I kind of think this is significant, although none of the others talk about it again. Peter, it says, when he's first asked about it, he's kind of, um, I don't remember if it uses the word house oh um he's within the palace it says Hmm. and the damsel asks him if he knows god then then he goes out to the porch and then he's asked again and he says no and then he goes out to the fire so it's like he's backing up like he's at the house and he's on the porch then he's out in the yard by the fire and i thought that was significant because he's not just saying no 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 like he's literally like moving out physically of the situation um, and all the other accounts just say he's warming by the fire. Um, but anyway, I thought that was interesting. So then you have Peter's denial of Christ. Then you have Jesus comes before Pilate. So now we're moving to kind of, we'll call it the courtroom. So now we're in the courtroom and Jesus goes before Pilate. And there's a couple of very interesting things in the different accounts here as well. Um, he goes before Pilate and Pilate's like okay you know what has he caught what has he done has he done anything bad what's his crime and they can't find anything that he's done bad and so Pilate's like okay then why is he here you know like we can't find anything bad that he's done why is he even here um and the in Matthew it talks about it says the crowd prevailed and Pilate got scared so it talks about how they started pressing him and they're like do it do it do it and he got um, he got scared and so then he asks again like what is his crime and um, they can't come up with anything and he says well you know you know at the end he says well this is your choice I wash my hands of this he literally goes over and washes his hands and says his blood is not on my hands it's on yours you know um, which to me was but- cowardly especially in a leadership mm-hmm. position yeah he uh, must he have been that just tells you the the temperature of the times like because if peter was like in fear and even the leader was in fear like there's something definitely not right with the with the people they must yeah. have been like seriously angered mm-hmm. 
And you think about, I mean, all of these have witnesses. All of these have um, times when, I mean, there's people watching this. There's a crowd of people, the crowd of people that's pressing Pilate. There was a crowd of people in the garden. There was a crowd of people outside asking Peter if he knew Jesus. So there's people witnessing all of this. And I can't imagine hearing, because most of them had to have heard about the coming Messiah, you know, multiple times hearing about it and seeing all these things come to fruition. And then they're like, I don't know. I just, I can't imagine how, how that felt, I guess. And I'm thinking if any of them were followers, because I think he had a lot of followers other than just the disciples, they had to be just as scared Mm -hmm. because I mean, the Romans were very, they perfected the act of torturing and doing what they do to people. So I'm sure most people were like, I do follow him and I think he's a great man and maybe a lot of them thought he was the Messiah because he was, but they, I, it just had to have been fear that nobody responded. They just did not know what to do. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so then when he's before Pilate, um, it, in Luke, I like Luke here because Luke actually goes and talks about, again, something that the others don't talk about. Um, If you read through Luke, it talks about he goes before Pilate and Pilate, you know, asks, okay, what's his crime? And they say nothing. Well, then in Luke, he records that Pilate says, is he a Galilean? And then it says, as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction. So he is like, oh, wait, this guy is a Galilean. Oh, right. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I don't have jurisdiction over this. Send him to Herod. And so he sends him to Herod, and then it says even here, it says um, in Luke 23, verse 8, it says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season. So it talks about how Herod was excited. He was like, oh, Jesus is here. He had heard the things about Jesus, but it was excited in a bad way, I think, because Mm -hmm. It's at the end of verse eight, it says he hoped to have seen some miracles done by him. So I think he was like, he just wanted to see what he, he probably heard about everything he did and he just wanted to see something for himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it was, yeah, more of just like a, a selfish thing. Like, Ooh, I've been wanting to see this guy, you know, in person, like when you buy tickets to go see a magician is kind of how Henry had pictured this, you know, like, Oh, I wanted to see this act. Um, because even in, um, verse uh let's see uh 11 of that same chapter it says herod was with men of war they set um said it not and they mocked him and arrayed him in gorgeous robe and then sent him back to Pilate. so even just two verses later herod is with everybody else mocking him and sending him back to Pilate to let Pilate deal with him um and then it says here though which i thought was very interesting so Pilate gets jesus first Sends him to Herod. Herod mocks him, whatever. Sends him back to Pilate. And then in verse 12 um, of Luke 23, it says, And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. So this event brought them together. So, yeah. So something about this whole nobody wants to try Jesus thing brought them together to be friends, which I thought was just a very oh. interesting thing yeah, and like, a weird thing to bond over yeah and like i said none of the other gospels even mention herod 
Um, they don't talk about that at all. They just talk about Pilate because he, in turn, in the end, I mean, he um, does send Jesus to be crucified. But but that little interaction with Herod is just interesting. They It's just that bounce back. And I think it's just more of that, like, they want to get rid of Jesus. They have no reason to. And it's going right. to be completely wrong for whatever they do it for. And like I said, with Caiaphas, they just were like, oh, he blasphemed. So just kill him, you know. They just wanted any little thing to catch him on, you know, to. Well, maybe those two were like, yep, yep. We did the right thing. We sure did. Mm-hmm. They were yeah. like supporting each other on it. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe, and then even in, um, in uh, the gospel of John too, again, he has more dialogue with the pilot thing too. So there's more in that one, but so he goes back to pilot again. Um, and the crowd again is pressing Pilate and they're saying, and so they have their, um, their feast. Oh, now I'm forgetting which feast it is. Um, but it's almost the Passover. And so I think this is the Passover feast or maybe, I believe this is the Passover feast. Um, anyway, they have a feast and Pilate knows that he has to let somebody go to them at this feast. Um, it says at the feast, the governor, was to release unto the people a prisoner. And so um, I'm not really sure why that was. I couldn't really figure out exactly why they had to yeah, release somebody. Um, so they had to release a prisoner. So this is where Pilate is like, and it says whom they would. So whom the people kind of wanted, I think is, is how I read this in all the different accounts. It's more like whoever you want, so you get. And so... Um, then we all know, like, he brought up and he said, okay, I have Jesus and I have Barabbas, a murderer, someone who has tortured people, someone who is this horrible human being. You know, who do you want released? And they said Barabbas. And uh, and I like here, Pilate, I, I don't know anything about Pilate, if he was a good person or a bad person, but at least he tries to stick up for Jesus in this right. whole thing. Because he doesn't want to try him at the beginning. And then here when they want Barabbas, he questions them three times. He's like, I am telling you, Jesus has never done anything wrong. And Barabbas murders people. And you want Barabbas. And they say yes. And he's like, okay, but you're not listening. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's so bizarre. And so then he releases Barab- um, Barabbas. And then he goes and washes his hands of the situation. And let lets them crucify Jesus. Um, so then um, when, and another thing too, in, um, from Pilate, when he, before he released Barabbas in the Luke account, he says, um, there's nothing, they couldn't find any fault in Christ. And he says, okay. He said, I will chastise him and release him. And so he wanted to just, okay, we'll give him his little slap on the wrist for blaspheming or whatever. Right. Yep. And then I'll release him. And then it says again that the crowd pressed on him and then he released Barabbas. And so I think that's interesting too. I think just time after time, he was like, I don't want to do this. Right. I'll just give him his slap on the wrist like we can't need to and we'll go and they wouldn't have it. And again, I just hear like, this movie going through my head, I just hear the loud crowd and the hate and the horrible things that people are saying. And 
you just see like that mob scene you know right yeah, um, i can't imagine we probably yeah. have no clue what it actually it, there's no way to fathom how it was actually what was actually going on yeah so from here so now they have jesus now it's all downhill from here um so they lead him um off and they're gonna go crucify him so before they crucify him you have the account of more just mocking him um this is where they they take his clothes and they give him a purple robe and they make him the crown of thorns and they give him a reed in his hand make him look you know like a king and they all bow down to him and mockingly you know say hail king of the jews hail king of the jews while they're spitting on him and mocking him and then they take the reed and they hit him on the head and pound the nails or the thorns into his head and i just i don't i don't know it doesn't say who exactly is doing this if this is just random citizens if this is the roman soldiers um it just says they i'm assuming it's the soldiers but i guess i guess we don't know for sure it says it says that the soldiers took him into the common hall and they gathered him, but and maybe that is who it talks about. I don't know. I just picture like them taking him into a hall full of people, like taking him into the middle of the mob. And maybe that's not, maybe they really just took him into a hall where it was just him and the soldiers. Um, Cause it says, I mean, they you figure him. most people probably aren't going to cross those soldiers. So they probably, and like I said, the Romans had this down to an art. When you study out, they were not nice people. They were very good at torturing and hurting people. So yeah. I think the people were probably like, uh, yeah, we, they probably got it. Because if you got involved, this is just Terry speaking here, that they were once, if other people got involved, they probably would be reprimanded and it wouldn't be well for them to try and get involved to do something. So in my mind, I'm thinking it was the soldiers that did it and just were egged on by the people that they had like their cheering section from the people. Yes, I well, I agree. In Luke, it says they gathered a whole band, but in Matthew, it does say they gathered a band of soldiers. Um, so it maybe it was just like the whole group of the Roman soldiers together, um, and it wasn't just the citizens, um, which makes it maybe a little better. Not better in the sense of what happened, but maybe it, I mean that doesn't get any better because the citizens still did. later but so anyway so they mock him they give him the scarlet robe um and then they after they're done with their fun then they take the robe back and they put him back in his clothes and then they lead him um to galgotha so then as he's going to galgotha they find um the syrian simon is his name and I, i think it's interesting here and maybe you can study this out too again i don't know how people find some of this stuff out so i don't know how to study some of it but who, if this guy was literally someone totally random, um, but it mentions him by name and it kind of tells you a little bit about him, you know, where he's from and it gives you more information about him than it does Peter's wife. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. you know, they find this guy, Simon, anyway, and he carries Jesus's cross to Golgotha um, and um, they give him vinegar. Some of the accounts call it vinegar and some of them call it wine mixed with myrrh um and so i'm not really sure i mean i don't know if it's like the vinegar we would think of when we think of vinegar 
or if it is just like a tainted wine, tainted grape right. juice, you know. Um, again, it's just a mocking thing. They just are doing anything they can to right. be miserable. Add and, insult to injury. Yeah. And then as they get him there, then they take his clothes and auction them off. And this is prophesied, um, which I just think is really interesting. It's prophesied um, back in the Old Testament um, about how they would sell off his garments. Um, Such an interesting point. Like part of it, like why they had to do that, I don't know. but, But they did sell off his clothes. And I've heard many people say that by the time that he got to the cross, he was so beaten from being whipped and being spat on and just punched on and, I mean, just beaten up. that You couldn't even recognize who he was anymore. Um, well, and I think, too, like I said, when you, I only know this because I did a study on some of the Romans and to the nakedness of Jesus. That was all part of the cross. That was part of the humiliation that was part that's what they wanted they were trying to be obscene they were trying to humiliate him they were trying to publicly humiliate him and that's that was part of of the crucifixion it wasn't bad enough that they were going to kill him and they beat him but that it was just all part of it so it's just they were just awful awful i can't even imagine like you say if you could be a fly on the wall like what like being um Simon right that's his name that was carrying the cross with him mm-hmm. like I can't even imagine I think I read somewhere that crosses could weigh up to 300 pounds yeah so I don't know um how big this cross was but it was probably large so I can't imagine there's just so many things you could talk about I mean so many questions I have but yeah. well and I'm sure some of the people who again I'm going through this movie but I'm sure some of the people who were there waiting outside when Peter was denying Christ, then followed Jesus into the courtroom where Pilate was, then followed and watched the soldiers beat him, then followed Mm -hmm. him to the pathway up to Golgotha and watched, you know, watched every step of this. There had to be people who were just, who were just vile, who just hated Jesus, who were just following this. And also people who loved him because it mentions a couple Mm -hmm. of times about the, the women who were following and weeping who had worshiped him and followed him. And they were just watching all this unfold in horror. And, you know, you can look at it from both perspectives, the people who hated him, who followed him all the way, how they were feeling or what they were thinking. And then those people who loved him, who were following him through all of this, just watching, thinking one, there's nothing I can do to help him right now. And two, I think, do you think one of them was his mom? Yes, because it mentions her Mm -hmm. in two different accounts. Uh, Yeah, I do too. And, and I just, I can't imagine, you know, like feeling so helpless and knowing, I mean, they knew though, they followed him. So they knew this was his destiny, maybe not to this extreme, but they knew he was the Messiah. And so I just can't, I don't know. I just can't imagine. And then the whole time you just have Jesus who's quiet, who never strikes back, who never cries, who never gives up. And he says in a couple of these accounts, if I wanted, um, I think it's even in John, he says, because when Peter cuts off um, the guy's ear, he says, 
like, you know, if I wanted to, I could call out and have 12 bands of angels around me right now if I wanted, but that's not what I'm here for. I could stop all this. I could protect myself. Like you have to let this happen. You know, I just, so many characters and so many different parts to play, but I just, I just can't imagine. I can't fathom all the different events. And it's not even to like, if you want to call it this, I don't want to diminish it, but like the main event, you know, and so much happens once he's just on the cross, but. Um, so, but yes, it does talk about the three Marys and here I want to bring this out because this was the verse I was talking about. Um, he carries the cross um, up to Galgotha. Now he's up there. They make the sign that says, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews, um, which again, they do out of mocking. Uh, and you know, I just learned this last week in church, actually. They said the reason they put that above him is because when they would crucify people, that they would usually put their crimes above their head. That's what they would write. Oh, yeah. I think I've heard that. So, yeah. And I thought, well, that's so interesting because that was his crime. Yeah. <laughs> and who he was. Yeah. And then, which wasn't a crime, but. Yeah. And again, like they couldn't convict him of anything. So they just found the first thing they could say. So right um but anyway in verse 36 of chap of matthew 27 it says and sitting down they watched him there um and it's just talking about after he had been beaten again after he'd been given the vinegar they had cast their lots they had sold his clothes and then it says and sitting down they watched him there and i thought just pulled up their lawn chairs and took yeah and i thought that was a really interesting verse of literally people just came to sit and watch this and i think of those old um, hangings, you know, where people would literally bring their mm-hmm. families to watch the hanging. And I, I just, I can't fathom, but anyway, so yeah, it, it was a totally different time back then. Yeah. So different. So, so now he's on the cross again, they have more mocking. They keep saying, you know, he saved others. Why can't he save himself? And, and then just whole time he's up there, they're just trying to get him to, to cave, you know, really. And they're just making fun of him. And it does talk about in different accounts, like you said, um, in um, John chapter 19, 25, it says, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, which is funny because they're both named Mary, um, the wife of Cleophas and, and Mary Magdalene. So the three Marys are all there watching. Um, as a mother, I don't know how she did that. I don't know what I would have thoughts in the time i would not have wanted i can't to watch. watch i can't watch my child be hurt in any way yeah so i can't i probably would have passed out yeah i don't i don't know but it does say um that and then in matthew as well it mentions the marys there as well so they are with him this whole time um so then it talks about so now he's on the cross and this is where i feel like things would really set in place um this is where now he's on the cross after the sixth hour, um, the darkness falls on the land. And I picture this. I don't know if anybody was able to watch the full effect of the solar eclipse back in 2017, I think it was. But I was in a place where it was the full effect and it was the weirdest, like mm-hmm. eeriest, the craziest feeling. And I am sure that's what happened here. That is all I can imagine because it says the sun went dark. And I just, I really think that it was like a solar eclipse and God moved it. And it was, it's like, it's the weirdest, it's light, but it's dark at the same time. And you can look straight at the sun. 
I don't know. It was the weirdest experience of my whole life. It'd be interesting to go back because usually things like this can be traced back and they will say, yes, there was this on this day. So it'd be interesting to go back and look. Yeah. But the only difference is when, when we had the solar eclipse, it lasted for maybe two minutes, maybe the sun. Oh, that's true. It was like covered. It was like maybe two minutes and then it moved on. This lasts from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. So this is hours of darkness. And it's, and I can only imagine if you're sitting there watching Jesus on the cross, you're mocking him, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden the whole world goes like dark, but dark. And it's three hours. Like, I can't imagine the chaos that ensued. Like what people were thinking at that point. I would like to think a lot of them are like, what just, what did we just do? Yeah. <laughs> like it finally set in, even for some of the soldiers, it probably set in what just, what they just did. Yeah. Or they think, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But then after that, even more because, um, and it's funny, this is not mentioned in John or in luke now in okay matthew mark and luke it all mentions the veil being ripped when jesus dies Mm -hmm. but that's all it mentions in in the other three matthew is the only one who mentions um the so jesus dies on the cross so it's been dark for three hours jesus dies on the cross and then the veil is ripped at the temple there's even a guy who comes running to the cross and says the veil was ripped at the temple like that was a big thing um, but Matthew, I think the biggest thing, it was rent from the bottom to the top. Yeah. So that's interesting too. Yes. It's like, it had to have been done of something. It wasn't man that did it. Yes. It wasn't like something. Yeah. That we could do. Right. Then Matthew gives account of, um, the earthquake. Um, there was also a great earthquake and it says rocks were rent, graves were opened and saints mm-hmm. arose. Um, And I've asked a lot of people about that situation, like why, like Jesus died and all these saints came back from the dead. And it says they appeared in the holy city, which I'm assuming is, which is Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So all these saints come back from the dead and go to Jerusalem. It doesn't really say anything else about them. It doesn't tell you who they were or where they went or how long they were there. I don't really understand that whole thing, but, um, but this earthquake was so big that rocks were broken and then, you know, people are standing there and all of a sudden graves are open and all these dead saints are walking around Jerusalem. Like, I can't imagine this scene, you know, like it's been dark. Jesus. I laugh because it makes me nervous. I know. know, It's like, I can't like, that's how my head works. It's just all these signs are pointing and the fact that people still didn't believe it. Yeah. That's the thing that gets me. Yeah. I I know. And and to sit there and this says um let me find the verse here in Matthew. Um and it just says that when Jesus had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost and behold the veil of the temple was rent. It doesn't say like immediately, but I think it was immediately. I think it was the second his spirit left his body that the veil was ripped the earth started shaking the people were back from the dead you know i think it was just this pow phenomena that just like i agree 
they saw him die and then bam the earth was changed forever like literally you know mm-hmm. and like standing by the cross and then it says i mean it tells you that many of them believed everyone oh, i want to correct myself it says that it was rent from the top to the bottom i said it the other way just want to make sure i stay on the up and up oh my apologies Down <laughs> so my bad yeah stop anywho but you know it says many who stood there believed how could you not because you're exactly watching all this mocking and mocking and mocking and how could they not for years even now like how can that story what gets me is people nowadays are like it's just a story that didn't really happen it's like that huge event that happened and all those things physically that happened how quick people forget and how it just gets lost over time Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. just really sad it is and yeah and i don't i don't know and it's just what it just goes back to the very beginning of mankind in general because it god told this to or you know moses told this to the children of israel all the time you're gonna forget god and when you do remember this and try to come back tell your kids about this because the next generation is gonna forget about god and it doesn't matter even back then you know they walked through the red sea they did all they witnessed firsthand all his miracles and they still forgot about him right so i think just to hear the stories for people not to make it real to the next generation or for people not to talk about it it's just the same like you're gonna forget about him yeah it's just gonna be another fairy tale Mm. but but anyway so yes it does that then that happens and they the earth is shooken and shooken well shooken and uh, and but I did think it was interesting in John it doesn't mention the veil being torn or the darkness at all which I think is interesting and in Luke it doesn't mention the earthquake at all so it's just funny like you go back through the different accounts and there's such different maybe it's what affected them more and like maybe obviously they all didn't see the or hear the guy come out and say the the veil was written to you. They all mm-hmm. felt the earthquake and saw it, but it's just probably what affected them more at the time. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Like one was more scared of the dark than the other. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, why did that impress upon them, but not the other part? Yeah. Well, and that goes back to my question of, you know, what, what God gave them to write down, you know, like, right. you know, if he just, what was of importance for them to record? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. give your account or was he said, write down these exact specific words, you know, yeah. it's just interesting but but i just think if you really stop and walk through each part of that story i mean and then you can go into the resurrection we don't have time for that but you go into that whole part of it and uh we were just learning about that on easter you know just about how people even his disciples and and the women the, his mother and mary magdalene and they all came and saw the empty tomb and they were like well where is he like you just watched him yeah you just watched him get crucified three days ago he told you this was going to happen but you know it's just if you walk through each one of those steps even just and just picture what he went through and the hatred these people must have had for him the mocking that went up until the second he died he was mocked you know on the cross they were mocking him spitting at him trying to give him vinegar and and then he dies and then literally the earth is shaken rocks are broken graves are open saints are back you know you just have this like 
left behind kind of moment you know that movie left behind right right they wake up and or they blink you know and the whole world's different that's like how yeah it definitely gives you so much to think about and there is so much to talk about throughout the whole crucifixion story and what leads up to it but yeah yeah like you keep saying to be a fly on the wall during that I can't I can't imagine that's one event that I'm just like I don't know that I could watch it I honestly don't think I could because I'm sensitive soul that way as much as I'd want to know all the details I don't think that I could handle seeing it yeah I agree and then again just to think about how Jesus handled the whole thing with such grace and peace and kindness right. just especially right. even just what he said on the cross you know father forgive them they know they're not what they do but he you know you he's still human because still he cries out the um elohi elohi um, right i'm gonna butcher it but you know he's calling out god, i can't ever say it right yeah <laughs> right you know god why have you forsaken me you know he still feels the pain and the torture and but he right. knows he knows this has to be done and that's the oh. keeps him peaceful well so much that we could talk about but we only have a couple minutes left before i believe we just get cut off yeah so <laughs> i don't want it just to end but yeah. such good thoughts maybe we'll have to do another another one sometime and talk about um what happens after the resurrection yeah and what goes on because there's some good points of views and perspectives and questions mm-hmm. that i definitely have about afterwards so like with thomas and just different people that were involved so yeah very interesting well i'm glad we at least were able to do this together this week this time it actually worked so yeah even though we're apart we're still here together uh, yeah yeah we are not anywhere near that's kind of nice but yeah okay well next week i'm not sure what we're talking about yet but um yeah i I don't know. Did you listen to last week's with me and Madeline? I did. We literally, I was dying laughing. And I told Madeline this. I said, nobody else probably enjoyed that episode. But I just want to thank everybody for indulging us because those are times that I get to spend with Madeline that I can go back and re-listen to. So to me, it was very special for me. It was I'm just being selfish. <laughs> it was very special. The other night I couldn't sleep and I listened to it and I was laying in my bed just laughing. Yes. <laughs> It was funny to me. Maybe nobody else. So no, I apologize. And I say thank you. <laughs> so, but all right, guys. Well, we're going to sign off. But we'll be back next week. So everybody have a wonderful week out there. All right. Adios.